Am I on? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, well. Welcome. Welcome to another in our series, Spring Into Action, a series that's all about being active in sharing our faith this spring. And I want to do something different over the next four weeks at the start of these uh, clips. We're going to go on a little journey. We're going to go on a little journey with uh, an unchurched guy and his Christian friend, Bob. So let's have a little look at uh, this chat. There goes Bob. Nice guy. <laughs> we play golf. Man, can he drive. <laughs> Have coffee together at least twice a week. <sighs> we click. He's my bud. My bro. <laughs> He's going to church. Seems to like it. Goes every week. Religiously. <laughs> Talks about it, too. Sometimes. Says good stuff. He's never invited me. I wonder why. I'd go with him. I'd go. If he asked me, more coffee? Well, we can find out a little bit more about what happens in that journey next week. We're basing this series on this scripture, Philemon 1.6. It says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. It's an interesting scripture in that it reminds us that actually sharing the gospel is something that it does something to you spiritually. You have a greater understanding of God's blessings, of who God is, and the, and the reality of the experience of following Jesus when you share the gospel. Fascinating comment in that scripture. So Paul, of course, is encouraging one of his leaders, Philemon, to be active in sharing his faith. Let's have a look at this scripture here, Romans 10, 12. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then... Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And this is the bottom line. This is why we're doing this series, friends. Um, we're going to be very practical today in the message. Uh, so the idea is that, look, God is calling people. He's reaching out to people. He's working in people's hearts. But unless... Someone like you and I actually has a few spiritual conversations with them, they won't come to believe. And so for me in my workplace, I had a chap called Mark. I was searching at the time. You know, I didn't know what I was searching for. I just had the question, you know, is there more 
to the bricks and mortar, the music and te technology of my world? Is there something else, you know? And uh, in the journey of right when I'm asking that question, a bloke in my workplace, Mark Williams, starts to have spiritual conversations with me. He had spiritual conversations for about six months before I actually came to faith in Christ. It took a lot of conversation. But you see, how, if God was drawing me, he, I didn't know that, but God was doing something. But without that bloke in my workplace, perhaps I'd never have come to faith in Jesus. But how, how can we get better at this whole idea of sharing? Well, my topic today is this, prepare to share. Part four in the series, prepare to share. Um, and... Uh, in this message, I'm going to just give you some tools to help you in this journey. You remember last week we talked about the uh, Samaritan woman. Fantastic conversation. Uh, let's have a look, quick look at an image here. So we've all got this in our mind, haven't we? You know, this lady comes across to the, the, the well. Jesus is sitting there. He's hot, tired and hungry and thirsty after a journey. And he gets chatting with that lady. Now, when I, I talked about it, I mentioned there was one point. I said, look, I'll, I'll elaborate a little more on this later in the series. And I'm going to do it today. And it was the point that I made um, where I said, Jesus directed the conversation. He had that ability. Now, what do I mean by that? You remember she asked a controversial question. She said to Jesus, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. She probably pointed to it, Mount Gerizim. But you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Controversial question of the day. Now, Jesus could have said this to her. He could have simply said, you're in error because your religious leaders have changed the Holy Scriptures to honour Mount Gerizim. How dare you do that? Or he could have said, you're in error because you only accept the first five books of the Bible. You haven't embraced the whole canon of Scripture. You know, He could have said those things, but he didn't. He chose to take a completely different approach. And he, he said this to her, you know, it's not really about Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem. It's not about where you worship. It's about how you worship in spirit and truth. God is spirit. His worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. And she was so impacted, she went and told a whole town about it. And, uh, of course, many came out to hear Jesus. But can you see what he did? He just went a little, he directed the conversation, didn't get caught up into the controversial issue, but he did something very, very clever. He went deeper and actually gave an answer that was, uh, for her, was really quite astounding. Today, let me give you an example of what I do in a, a classic kind of question, a series of questions that I've been asked many times. This, these questions. What about other religions? Why is Christianity right? How can you know for sure? Don't all religions lead to God? I've been asking one or a whole cluster of those questions many, many times. Lots of ways you can answer that. This is the way I have so often answered it. You know, I think that God has actually seen to it that in the major religions of the world, there is something of his moral teaching there. So whether it's Buddhism and the Eightfold Path and that high moral teaching that's contained within that, or whether it's Hinduism or, or whether it's Islam, which is, of course, Islam has many of the characters that are in the Bible, such as Abraham, Moses, Jesus, they're all key prophets, and there's a lot of God's moral teaching, actually, within the Quran. When it comes to the major religions of the world, I think there's something of God's moral code within their scriptures. Now... 
In fact, of course, if you put Christianity in as well, that makes up nearly 80% of the world's population as far as where people sit. Most people in the world are actually religious. Um, but you know what? All of those examples I've given, they're all about living a moral life that eventually gets you connected in some sort of heaven experience. For the Buddhist, that's is having enlightenment and becoming discovering nirvana. For the, for the Hindu, it's being reincarnated, reincarnated, and eventually if you live a good enough life, you'll become one with the creator God, Brahman. Or for the Muslim, you know, if you live according to the teachings of the Quran and you follow the moral code of that Quran, you might make it to paradise. You won't know for sure, but you might. The difference with what Jesus taught was it's not about striving. You're never going to be good enough to make it to heaven. But there's another way, and I'm creating that way. Jesus said these words. We remember them well as Christians, but for someone else it might be the first time they've ever heard them, and I'll often share this with people. Jesus answered, I'm the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No matter what your religious background, Jesus is saying, look, I can create a way where you can get connected with God. But this is the way. It's not going to be about you earning your way to heaven. It's going to be about you believing in the work I've done to make that possible. I've had that conversation many times with people. And I've seen, I reckon, with half the people I've had that conversation with when they've had those sort of questions, it's like the penny has dropped in the slot, so to speak. The light bulb has gone on. And you can see their thinking process. It's like, whoa, I've never heard that before. Now, we as Christians, that doesn't sound too deep and profound for us, but I tell you what, some of the unchurched people I've shared that with, it's like, whoa. And it's for some, it's been the point of helping them discover Jesus. So what have I done? Rather than kind of slamming the other religions, I've actually taken something that is actually true within them and used it as a platform to share some spiritual truths. Now, I know I went through that pretty quickly and some of you are thinking, yeah, well, Lee, that's fine. You've been to Bible college, mate. I can't flipping well do something like that. What are you talking about? So I've given you a little... This is a, at the back of the church. This is one I actually wrote for Roz. Roz was just doing announcements. She had a big event uh, where she had a heap of violin students here and many of them were from a Buddhist background. She said, can you write me a brochure? This brochure does exactly what I just did then. And I've actually, in one of our Easter outreaches, actually I chatted with um, some young Buddhist ladies who were there at that outreach and um, they read the whole thing, you know, and we had a great conversation. They said, I really like the way you've shown some comparisons between Siddhartha Gautama, the, the founder of Buddhism, and Jesus and what they said. But you see, the whole thing finishes by saying, Siddhartha Gautama felt he was a fellow traveller trying to discover nirvana. And at the end of this it says, Jesus says he is the way to nirvana. That's the difference. He is the one who can give you enlightenment. And then at the end of it, um, I, it uh, I actually talk about, why don't you go on a journey and discover if this enlightenment is for you? And read this short biography about Jesus' life. It's just the Gospel of John. Um, but you can see how that can work. And these two, uh, these two or three ladies, too, by the way, they took one and said that they would read it. Now, this is the concept. 
But let me move on to um, some others. Have you ever been confronted with someone who says something like this? I'm just as good as any Christian. Why do I need forgiveness? Religious people are not better than me. I don't have any sin in my life. I've met people who have said one or virtually all of those things many, many times. My mother would fit that category. She would say stuff like that. And I can remember um, her comments about religious people and it would often be along those lines. I'm just as good as any religious person. They're no better than me. And where did that all come from? Well, I wonder if it came from a little bit of a heritage on her side of the family. Her grandparents were uh, from Ireland and uh, her granddad was Protestant, her grandmother was Catholic. They fell in love and their families were so disapproving. So much so they decided, you know what, we're going to go to the other side of the planet. So they left Ireland and went to New Zealand and got married there, you know, and eventually moved across to Australia. Um, Granddad, a great granddad for me, Boss, he was his nickname, he used to say religion's just a cloak for villainy because he'd seen some negative stuff in his life and mum carried that. Now, mum eventually did become a Christian but you can see why she may have been influenced that way. Um, How do you respond to someone like this? Because if the person thinks, well, I've got no sin in my life, I'm just as good as religious people, what do you do? How do you respond to that? Well, Bill Hybels, the founder of a church called Willow Creek, one of the most effective evangelistic churches ever, um, he uses a tool which is sometimes referred to as the morality ladder. Now, I've got an extraordinary piece of artwork here. (laughs) Um, And so the idea is at the top, you've got um, God. And people's morals, depending on where they sit, you've got very high morals, you're up here somewhere, you've got low morals, you might be down here somewhere. So you might have down right down the bottom, you might want to think of some, say someone like perhaps Adolf Hitler. He might fit down right down the bottom. Pretty bad dude. What's that uh, Dharma guy? There's been a recent Jeffrey Dharma. He, you know, recently there's been like a you know film made about his life, Jeffrey Dharma, who who murdered, very brutally, a whole bunch of African-American gay guys. And uh, so you could put, say, Jeffrey Dahmer down here. Let's do a J. Oh, I can't draw. JD. All right. So they might be people that you put down the bottom of the ladder. Now, often, especially my generation, you think of someone who, uh, chatting with someone who's perhaps not from a church background, of this gen, my generation, they'll often think of, say, Mother Teresa. And they know that she gave up her life to serve the poorest of the poor in Calcutta and uh, absolutely spent all the energy and love she can summon to make a difference, a positive difference in people's lives. And I've seen her talk about Jesus too, you know, on television, and her whole face would just light up. She clearly knew the Lord. But I've also heard her talk about her life. And she, she wouldn't think her morals are right up here near God. She would say, oh, no, there's things in my heart I'm not proud of. There are people that I know I could have done more for. There are people that have died and I didn't share the gospel of Jesus with them, you know. And, and so, she, no, she's not going to put herself any higher than probably about here somewhere, you know. 
She doesn't think she's right up there with, with uh, the expectations of God's perfect moral code. And I'll sometimes share with the person at that point a bit about myself. And I say, well, look, I got into this whole Jesus thing when I was about 22. Didn't believe in any of that sort of stuff at all for, you know, my young adult years and my teenage years, early young adult years. And then I had a profound encounter with Jesus. And since then, within a year, I felt, this is such an amazing thing. You know, the whole world's been duped. They don't realise this God thing's real. This is so important. I'm going to try and commit my life to it. And so since then, I've spent long hours, almost every week, trying to build God's kingdom in a whole variety of ways. Um, But, you know, I'm certainly not going to put my morals up near Mother Teresa. You know, I couldn't put myself any higher than, say, perhaps around here somewhere. So here's MT, Mother Teresa, here's LK. And then I just say to the person, so where do you think you'd fit? Just pop yourself anywhere on there and tell me where you fit. Now, almost always, sometimes non-Christians will often put themselves right down the bottom, but mostly unchurched people will do something like this, almost always. They'll put themselves just a little bit below where I am. You know what I say to the men? Really? Down there? You're in trouble. You're in trouble. That's a long way from God's moral standard. And I was like, well, you're in trouble too. You're down there as well. And so you're absolutely right. I am in trouble. I need forgiveness. I don't measure up to God's holy standards. I need forgiveness. We both do. Well, how do you find that? You've suddenly opened the idea that actually perhaps they do need forgiveness. And friends, that leads me on to... um, the primary illustration that I've used so, so many times, there are many, but, um, but this one here, the bridge to life illustration, I think is one that is so, so constructive. Originally uh, created by a, a group called The Navigators. They created this illustration and, of course, it's been widely used by Billy Graham. It's in, in his literature when people used to go to outreaches and stuff. Let me explain it. might need to pay attention because I'm going to get you to do it in just a moment. How does it work? Well, I do something like this. Draw a dude here. Here he is. And I'll say something to the person along the lines of, you know, God created humanity, created the universe. Um, But his closest disciple, you know, Jesus' closest disciple, a guy called John, he wrote these words, God is love. He cares about you. He wants to connect with you. Odd looking down on that person. But a lot of people feel distant from God. Do you feel distant from God? They almost always say yes. And I do this. Yeah, lots of people feel distance from God. You know, like there's a, a great chasm between God and humanity. And people try to bridge that gap. You know, they do different things. They might do something like this. They might think, well, look, if I do lots of good things, good works, if I do lots of good stuff, that will help me. Connect with God. God would be pleased with that. For for another person, they might say, hey, look, I'm, I earn pretty good money. I'm going to be really generous. Generous with charities. 
generous with people in need. Uh, I'm just going to try and, you know, be good with the way I give, give away money. Or for another person, they might say, hey, look, um, I'm going to live a, you know, a good moral lifestyle, morals. You know, I'm not going to cheat on my partner. You know, I'm going to try and live a good life. And for another person, they might do this. They might say, hey, I'm going I'm to try some religious rituals, you know. Uh, for one person, I met a lady once who felt that she was on her way to heaven because she took communion occasionally at a church. Uh, for another person, it might be they, they, they want to get their children christened. For another person, it might be an Eastern religion. If I, if I do these religious things, then I'm going to bridge that gap with God. But then I actually say to the person, the truth is, none of those things will bridge that gap. You see, there's, there's, a, there's a problem. Jesus summed it up with our English translation, just three letters. The problem is this. The little word, the word sin. All of our shortcomings, all of our failings, all the stuff in our life that we're not proud of. And that prevents us from getting across and bridging that gap. But you know what? At Easter, every year about one-third of the world's population go along to church. A couple of billion people, billion people, 2,000 million people. And what, why do they go? They go to remember something Jesus did. They go to remember something he did On a cross. Jesus explained that his death on the cross would bridge the gap between humanity and God. And in a cosmic event, which isn't easy to explain, Jesus took away all the sins of humanity. Supernaturally, all the sins, past, present, and future. He wiped it out, dealt with it. But that doesn't mean everyone's on their way to heaven. See, people actually have to make a choice. John, this guy was close to Jesus, he wrote these words, but to all who believe in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. So people actually have to make a decision to cross over, to believe. Now, as I share this with you, you might be thinking, not for me, I'm going to go in the opposite direction, or you might be thinking, I'm not sure yet. Or you might be thinking, hey, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to cross over and connect with God. And if the person is ready, which dozens and dozens and dozens of people over the years have been, as I've shared that with them, I'll pray pray something like this. Simply say, just, just say these phrases after me if they're true to what's on your heart. Lord Jesus, I do believe you are the Son of God. I do believe you lived an amazing life as an example for people, but also that you died a death on the cross. I don't fully understand it, but I hear today that somehow that dealt with all of my shortcomings, all of my failings. 
And so here today, I invite you into my life. Forgive me and become my leader. Be the one who will direct my life. Amen. I share that with you today to simply say, you know, this is one of the most useful tools and it would be fantastic to have a good handle on it, to actually be, you know, able to just freely be able to share that with people. Well, as I bring this message to a close, spring into action, let me finish with a final scripture here. It says in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Notice that, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be prepared. Peter was teaching his people, be prepared to give an answer. Have tools in your mind. Have scriptures in your mind. Have things that have equipped you to be better at sharing the gospel. And that word answer there, to give an answer, it's, a, it's from the Greek word uh, apologia. We've translated it from that. We get our word apologetics from it, which is all about having answers for people. So what I'd like to do now is frighten everyone. We've got two baskets over there. Could um, people hand these around? The idea is, and I realise if you're first time in church, you might be very uncomfortable doing this, so feel free to just have a look at this by yourself if you want to. But for, if for those who are comfortable, which I think will be most of you, I want you to gather around. Could two people go grab the baskets, please, and start handing these out? A couple of people, hop up and do that. I'm going to hand you a little pad and a pencil. And the idea is I want you to sit next to someone and I want one of you to play the Christian, a role play. And I want the other person to play the unchurched, the open unchurched person. And so the idea is you're going to take them through that bridge to life. So people get a pad, a pencil and a bridge to life just to help them if they get stuck. So you can have the brochure as well, the flyer. And so I'd like you to take 10 minutes now. You've got to lead that person to Christ. So you've got the idea? Feel free to ask any questions. The idea is that we're going to share that bridge to life illustration. Hopefully you can remember it, but you do have a little aid there to help you. All right, you must stop. They've, they've hopped on the train. They're no longer in earshot. <laughs> All right, so I can just have your attention as we wrap this one up. Um, well, good news, guys. Uh, Heather has led me to Christ this morning. She's done a great job. <laughs> Uh, why, don't, why don't I pray for you all because over the next um, next three or four weeks, let's, let's trust God is going to open opportunity for us. We've got a big outreach coming up, of course, that you can invite people to. But in the journey of that, let's trust there'll be some conversations and you'll get an opportunity to use the bridge to life. Let me pray for you all now. Father, I want to give you thanks. Lord, blessed is your holy name. Thank you for the reality of your gospel. It's such an amazing thing. And I realise the average person doesn't know it. Um, but Father, I want to pray that, God, you would open doors for all the, all the people of this church, that you would open doors of opportunity, whether in their workplace, amongst family, amongst friends, amongst neighbours, amongst people they play sport with. 
that, Lord, there'll be opportunity. And you would give them ears to hear the promptings of your spirits. And I pray for the person they share with. I just pray they will meet some receptive people, the, the people that are the ripe fruit, so to speak, people that are not far from your kingdom. Bless people in this endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's finish with a word.